Hi, welcome to Therapist Unfolding. Today we are joined by Anna and Yufei, um, two clinicians of color who are also uh, my cohort mates when we uh, when I was in grad school. Um, but to get started, I'm going to have them introduce themselves and share a bit about their backgrounds. Uh, Anna, would you like to start and share a little bit about you? Sure, sure, sure. Thank you, Kim. This is so, so exciting. And I, I feel so honored to be part of this beautiful endeavor that you're doing. So thank you for having me. Um, I am a Mexican therapist. Uh, I was born and raised in Mexico City until I was 15. Uh, I am bilingual and I hold many stories. I hold stories of, of migration. I hold stories of loss and trauma and resistance and resilience and love and, and um, motherhood. Yeah. Thank you. Um, how about you, Yufei? Uh, thanks for having me on too, Kim. This is very fun. I remember when we were in grad school, we were already talking about doing a podcast and it's finally happening. Um, so yeah, my name is Yufei. As Kim said, we were in graduate school together. So I'm also a therapist. Um, I'm from China originally. I actually also moved to the U.S. when I was 15. So I feel like we have a lot in common in that way. Um, but yeah, I moved here. I was in the Bay Area and then um, I moved around a couple times. Um, and now I'm a therapist practicing in the Bay Area. I'm shocked right now because I also moved here to America when I was 15. Yeah, I was just thinking about that. Yeah, I remember you telling us about that too. Yeah, so we all came to this country at the same age. What a beautiful connection. That's so cool. This That's is so cool. amazing. <laughs> um, so we all have our own, you know, immigrant backgrounds and, and stories of uprooting and, and moving from a different country. So maybe that's a good place to start. Um, yeah. How was, what was that like for you both moving um, from China and Mexico to America? Uh, that's a big question. <laughs> I feel like I've spent hours in my own therapy kind of unpacking that because it also changes as I grow up more. Um, I mean, I, I think 15 is such a tricky age because you're almost, you're like aware enough of yourself and your surroundings so that you're not a little kid anymore, but then you're still very, very young. Um, so it's a, it, it's an interesting age to be having such a big change in your life. Um, and also it's so full of opportunities. Like I think of myself when I was coming here and then I like think about the things I, I did and I was like, if I moved like, you know, ten, five years later, I wouldn't have been as open or as like receptive to things. Yeah. And, and hearing you say that, I think of myself and my brothers, because my brother's were in their 20s when we moved here and I was 15 and so I was able to attend high school and then go to college and kind of have that typical quote-unquote typical American experience of you know education and they didn't and they had to work stri straight away and they eventually went to college but yeah the just the 
difference in in how we were um what's the term kind of acculturated into this new country was very different yeah how about you anna It's so nice to hear about your stories. I know we've talked about these partly, but it's just so nice to hear. Um, similarly, like you, I think it has shifted. Um, it was really hard at the beginning. I gotta, I gotta say, when I first arrived, I, I arrived to Marin County, which is uh, a very affluent county, and um, we started living with my my uncle, who had already been here for many years. And that was tough. That was tough as a teenager coming to uh, uh, as a crowded space, right? Because it was, it was we were two families with with a lot of kids living under one roof, and 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 just a culture shock. Like we came to this very beautiful city. Like Novato's a beautiful city, and it has um, just beautiful spaces and also you know little suburban spot um and and i came from a different type of beauty right i think like my my city mexico city is the most beautiful thing in the whole world right but i came to this sort of like oh shit the the, the streets are cleaned and there's a whole bunch of trees and and everything sort of in a way orderly i, I don't know if that's the word right but <clears throat> there was this sort of yeah, sort of dissonance of like, whoa, this is a city too, and and people live like this, right? And and it feels safe, right? I I came from a city that you know, with all its beauty, um, sometimes it can be rough and can be really unsafe, and and finding a spot at that age, right? Not a lot of girls that um, live in Mexico have this privilege of feeling this safety, right? So for me, it was a. a uh, uh, whoa, this is this is cool. I can walk down the street and I can go to the park and come back at eight. And um, and then with all that beauty came racism and, and classism. And, and my my mother uh, started working as a housekeeper, so I I would go and help her, and I would see my classmates uh, from school. So that was that was really really tough, really tough because it was. Um, I'm I'm so happy to see everything that's happening right now and all the changes towards towards a better better world right but it was tough growing up in that in that environment I really um I had a difficult time and and it hasn't been until later in in my life where I felt more acclimated right I think for people and and I'm wondering if that happens to you guys for people that migrate there's this sort of third space that opens right like you feel I I I feel like I'm not from here and I'm not from there and when I go to Mexico now they look at me like I'm a foreigner and I feel this not rejection, but not acceptance either, right? And and same here. I'm always going to be a foreigner in the United States, right? Um, so there's this third space that opens, right? That I think uh, at one point I was very uncomfortable, and I was quick to be like, I I want to uh, acculturate, and I want to learn English, and I I strive to not have an accent, and I I went to to night school, and I went to summer school, and like all of these things. Uh, as an effort to like become part of right part of the culture and now I'm like I don't care if I have an accent I love my accent and I love my 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 Spanglish right but but I think it has been years of of sort of working at that and chipping at that and feeling more and more comfortable in this like yeah I'm in a in a border sort of space and and at times it feels great and at times it feels really yeah discomforting so um, 
I think it has been until lately where when my daughter was born, where I really felt like, oh, man, I, I do live in the United States and I am going to be here for a good while. Like there was this sort of uh, understanding of like, this is really my home. Right. Because for many years, it just felt like I'm, I'm visiting or I'm we're here temporarily where that was not the case. So I think it, it's going to continue shifting. Um, yeah. 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 Oh, my gosh. You're bringing me back to like a lot of feelings I feel like I haven't felt in a while like when I first moved and just that shock um that realization of how different lives can be and how spaces can be um and just really that like cultivating the space for myself like pushing because I feel like in in many different spaces I feel pressured to be a certain way. And then I think it's really, in the end, like I myself having to kind of shield a space for myself that's neither here or there. It's just like within myself that like I inhabit. Yeah. Oh, there's so much already. I'm like, how do I start responding to that? Because like you said, there's a lot that's coming up for me as as I, w- I was listening to you, Anna. Um you mentioned that third space of like, you know, trying to marry the two identities of who we are when we were in our motherland and who we are here in the United States. Um, and I honestly feel like that didn't really start for me until grad school. And part, actually part of, of why I did this project was because of that third space. So I'm just going to refer to it as that because I think it's such a beautiful way to to frame it. Um yeah, of relearning my culture and also trying to make that fit into who I want to be in the future. And and I think it, it takes time and, and a lot of self-assurance to get to that point of being able to accept both identities and marry both identities. Um I don't even know where I'm going with that comment, but I guess with with your experiences um, of moving and adjusting and, and um, you both kind of mentioned a little bit about the experience of race here in America. I'm I'm curious how those things and those experiences come up in in our jobs right now, in your roles right now as therapists. Another very big question. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking at you for like, should you go? Or should I go? Well, I think where you land makes a really big difference. Like Anna was just saying that you moved to Marine County and it was such a shock because it's very white and very affluent. And when I came here, I moved to South San Francisco, South San Francisco, which is only not that far away geographically, but it, 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 it's a very different place. Um, so I remember, I mean, I remember when I was in China, I would hear about race being an issue in the U.S., like it just people kind of have a sort of an awareness of it but then it's very different when I actually came and lived here like I definitely um, experienced a lot of sort of enclaves of 
different groups of people like having their own very closed communities. Um, and like, I remember when I first moved here, my mom was kind of, I mean, it's, it's a new place for her too. And then she was kind of being connected to a bunch of services provided by Chinese people. And she was just like, Oh man, like you can actually live here without, you know, knowing English and without like, you can get around, which I think, you know, like only because we're in the Bay area. Like, I don't think that's the case if we were to move to somewhere else. So I think it's really different where you land in this country. And I feel pretty fortunate in that like I I mean looking back to I'm like South City is such a random place to land it's just like <laughs> you know like no one even knows about it um but it's also like very diverse and like people are pretty down to earth and it's not like even though it's you know in the Bay Area like I don't think it's it's not like very rich or anything like I feel like that's where you find a lot of I don't, like real people still in the Bay Area um, and I really liked it I think looking back I like I just came here I didn't know what to expect and I didn't really but then now looking back I'm like oh I'm so glad that's the place I like landed um, like, I, I, like there were um, I mean, there's always racism. Like, there's always, like, people have ideas of who you are just based on how you look. Um, and I think there's also a lot of, like, just openness. Like, I felt welcomed. Like, I felt, I mean, like, I, I felt, I wouldn't say, like, welcome, like, people were, you know, being super friendly to me. But, like, I, I felt welcome in that, I think people were curious about me for who I am and they like asked me questions and I mean they were teenagers too so some of the questions were like can be ignorant or just like kind of NPC as you would say um, but I felt like my experience as whole like when I first came was not hostile like I, like I felt people were curious and they were open to learning about me yeah and I'm also curious if if having the same cultural backgrounds helped with that feeling welcome um a little bit actually not too like I felt like it was it was difficult not difficult it was a thing a new thing for me to navigate in the Chinese American community here as a Chinese person, I felt like I didn't like, I felt like that's something I didn't really prepare. Like I didn't think it would be hard, but that was hard in a way. Um, sometimes even trickier than the, the navigation in like just different communities. Um, I felt like people like sort of have even more of a, 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 an assumption of who you are because you look the same as them. And it sometimes takes even more explanation and just kind of like really 
voicing it and saying things out loud to like clear that up. Yeah. And so I know that you work with um, high school students currently. With the students that you work with, do you see that come up in their experiences too, especially if they, you know, recently moved to uh, America from a different country? Hmm. I would say I feel like the the kids these days are so much more aware than compared like on average compared to when like the high school like when I was in high school. Um, I don't work with a ton of kids who are newcomers. Like I would say, most students that I work with are either born in the states or have been here for a while. So it's not like, a, a, and, and I mean being. Descendants of immigrants is a theme that comes up pretty frequently, but they themselves, like most of them, I don't have a lot that like migration in themselves is not a common theme in my work right now. Um, yeah, but it it does come up. I would say I sometimes feel like they, on average, have done like so much more work than <laughs> than the, than. You know, like people my age or like the average people, like in in my high school. Um, so I'm like very impressed by young people these days, and just just you know, just being in therapy as a high schooler. I mean, that wasn't really available to me and to a lot of, I would say, most high schoolers when I was in high school. So I think just the act of doing that for themselves, like having that space for themselves, where they kind of you know like reflect and like look like just explore like right like being inquisitive about it is a huge step that they're taking thank you for sharing all of that um yeah and i'll I'll probably ask more about the work that you do today um in in a little bit later in the episode but for now anna i'd like to hear your thoughts on or your experiences on how, yeah, race and culture comes up in your work as a therapist? Yeah, um, I think it comes up a lot and more right now where I'm working with, you know, um, high school students whose stories are, are similar, right? Not not the same, but similar. Um, I, um, yeah, I... I I think I experience a different, a different sort of upbringing during those times. I grew up in the nineties, uh, and and just yeah, just thinking about right now when when Yufe was saying you know that curiosity for me was a little bit of the opposite. There was a lot of rejection. There was a lot of you know, and and I think earlier when I was referring to that experience with. Um, with my mother and and like she was she was a housekeeper and I would go in into my my classmates' homes. I I I said it and I'm not meaning. I hope it's not coming out like as a as a shameful or that that I'm ashamed of that part. But I think um, it was hard in the sense that that the response that I got right like the that I think it was yeah the sense of 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 shame or, or the way that I was looked at, right? Like, here's my classmate cleaning my house, right? And, and not so much me. I take pride in, in every single thing that I've, that I've done, um, to help my family and, and what my parents are. And, but I think there was that part, that reaction of, of 
teenagers, being teenagers and being uh, white privileged teenagers, right? And um, so it looked, uh, it, it, was, it was hard. It was hard. Uh, again, I think I, 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 I experienced racism uh, not myself, I, I shouldn't say I experience racism, but I, I come from a country where there is a lot of racism, right? Um, but I was in a position of, of privilege, I think, when I was living in Mexico, right? In, in, in my country, and in, I'm talking very specifically in my experience as a Mexican woman where I grew up in that specific part of the city, right? Um, there is a lot of uh, discrimination in, in, uh, against, you know, Original communities, native communities, indigenous communities, um, people with African and, and um, African roots, right? Black, Afro, Afro-Mexican people are are not recognized. Not until this past year, right? It was in the census, I think. Um, so it's it's it's. I come from a place where there is, you know, the racism really was real. But I think um, I. I was in this position, right? Of of like I don't feel it because I am, you know, I'm, I'm light, lighter skin in in the context of where I lived, right? Um, but then when I, I arrived to these to this country, I really felt it, right? I I really felt it. I um, in just being, right? In just inhabiting a space. Uh, I, I would feel these these aggressions, right? They were they were not microaggressions. They were like big aggressions, right? I remember being at a coffee shop at, at, um, and waiting and already feeling nervous. Like me and my sister have this conversation often. How we still up to the date, even though we are able to communicate fully, we have this like anxiety when it comes to ordering or being on the phone and and requesting something or asking for something because I'm I'm afraid I'm not gonna understand, right? Or I'm afraid I'm gonna trip with my words or they're not gonna I don't know. So I'm, I'm already right having this anxiety of like I have to communicate my order and how am I going to ask for it and, and be be aware and be alert right and I get to the counter and there's these little plate with like free samples of whatever muffins they're having that day right and and I remember grabbing one I think also out of anxiety just wanting to to put something in my mouth right and and I grabbed one and a woman that was like in the table, right? She turns around and like starts making a scene and says, I just saw you steal something. You just took something from the counter and you Mexican this oh and that, God. right? I'm not even going to go into the slurs, but that sort of thing, right? Trying to get a cup of coffee, right? Trying to get a cup of coffee on a random morning. And that was the, the, the sort of treatment that, that, mm. that we were subjected to so it was it was tough it was tough and I think I, I couldn't find my space in in Marin I couldn't spice, find my space in Novato and and again things are changing I think I just have these these bad taste in my mouth right a lot of my family still lives there and I love the place I really do have this sort of conflictive relationship with 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 that place because it's still part of me it's part of my story right it's part of, of who I am and, and how it impacted me um, but I wanted to get out of there so as soon as high school ended I I, I moved right I, I I married really young and left the home and then um, moved to San Francisco after I I, I married very young and divorced <laughs> so then I um, in a shift I, I moved to San Francisco and that's where I found 
that's where I found my, my heart again. That's where I found my place again, where right in, in the mission. So it just felt like I'm back at home. And, and again, that third space or fourth space or whatever space opens, right? Where it's like, yeah, it's not Mexico City, but I feel, I feel safe and I feel comfortable and I feel like I can be myself and that's okay. Nobody's looking at me sideways. Um, so yeah, I think, um, and, and it continues to change right now. Now we're in Oakland and, and, what does that look like for for my identity and and how I look at at things and and I think it comes up those stories for me come up with the students right I I think I I use that I use that a lot in in resonating with them and and beyond the empathy part of it um, beyond the empathy just like how do I resonate with these stories and how can I I um, yeah, how can I connect? So they, they come through in my work um, pretty pretty often, yeah. Yeah, and you both, um, you both spoke to the importance of the community around you in terms of finding where you belong and, find, and feeling comfortable where you are and in your culture and in your identity. And I know that different cities in in the bay area in california but specifically in the bay area could really differ um in how diverse they are and how welcoming they are of of immigrants or different cultures and it's interesting because we're all all of the cities you named are bay area and i mean i lived in different cities in the bay area too and i could totally relate to that where one city i felt so accepted and welcomed and comfortable and then another city it's like uh, maybe not for a long-term place to live in and what's interesting that I wanted to share too is that um the closer I moved to the more Filipino area of the Bay Area the more I felt like I didn't belong and it's so weird to say that and nothing against the Filipinos, you know, here in the Bay Area. But I think there was something in me um, that was trying to, again, find that third space. And to me, it felt like the closer I get to to the Filipino area, the, the closer I got to what Philippines felt like. And I, I wasn't ready to go back to it. But this was like two, three years ago. So... Yeah, like the community around us and how we use that space really matters in terms of how we how we feel as an immigrant, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, and as a therapist, too, I, I have a different perspective of it now. I love living close to Filipinos. I love having access to Filipino food. I love seeing another person that looks like me. Um, but... Or and at the same time, there's still this kind of as a clinician, do I want to be in this community that feels so close to like like my family almost and doing therapy with the same people? Um it's weird. It's weird work because I do. I want to work with Filipinos. I want to support Filipinos. But then there's still this other part of me that's right now is questioning. Is it going to feel like I'm doing therapy to family? Just because culturally Filipinos are so interconnected and we're so community based and collectivist and all that. Um, 
so yeah, it's, it's something I'm trying to figure out right now. Yeah, I, I hear you. I mean, I, I think I alluded to it earlier too, like navigating a, among the Chinese American communities here when I first came and continuing like now had been more difficult than I expected to be. Like I didn't think it would be so complicated, but I think it's, it, it just, like there's a lot more assumptions somehow like when they look at you and and I probably do the same too like when I look at someone who is Chinese or or I think there's just like more to unpack there because we're from the same place and we're here now and I think there's just like an unspoken thing that's sometimes oftentimes misunderstood mm-hmm yeah. Anna, do you, do you have that experience when you work with um, fellow Latino, Latina, Latinx, or what's your, what's your experience like? Yeah, I, I think the more that I understand this third space that we're talking about, and, and I'm barely coming to, to put words to it, right? Like, I think um, the more that I'm okay with sometimes... I think what you guys just said, right? Like sometimes, and, and those were in your words, but like for me, sometimes not being okay with that space, right? Like, yes, embracing it. Um, what you were saying, Kim, like, do I feel comfortable and where do I feel more comfortable, right? Um, that at times that, that space, you know, as much as it's ours, it feels so uncomfortable or distressing or, or you just don't wanna inhabit it in that moment, right? So for me, um, I, I love working with, with Latinx communities. I, I really do. I think I feel the most at ease, the most uh, organic, the most genuine um, when I'm working with, with Latinx communities. When I'm speaking in Spanish, it's, it's where, where my heart is. It, that's, that's where, where it feels like, ah, you know, and, and there's these, I hadn't noticed it until again, exploring this space, right? That, that when I have to do something in English or I have a meeting, like there's, there's these, and I'm trying to work really hard at it, right? But there's still these light anxiety of like, oh my gosh, and am I gonna, what am I gonna sound like? And, and again, the more I, I challenge that and the more I, 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 I work that, um, it gets a little easier and I become a little bit more like I, I don't care. Like I, I might make a mistake and, and I, I can pause and I can, you know, and, and that's okay. Um, but definitely there's, there's this little bit of like, uh, I don't know. I, I don't want to say uneasiness because I don't feel uneasy working in English. I, I don't, that's, that's not, that's not it. But there's this space that, that I get to experience when I'm doing, when I'm doing therapy in Spanish, when I'm doing therapy with, with, you know, students yeah that are that are, are latinx or or yeah yeah i think that's i don't know if i answered your question but i'm, I'm <laughs> before i go somewhere else i want to stop right there <laughs> no yeah i think too like listening to you it makes me hopeful that i'll probably get to that point that when i work with the filipino community it's gonna feel right and it's gonna feel organic and it's gonna feel like home and I guess right now for me, because my caseload is not, it's not, there's not a lot of Filipinos in my caseload. And so, yeah, I, I, I'm still trying to navigate that. 
I don't know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> um, yeah, I, in summary, I, I do feel hopeful that I'll get to that space because I do feel pulled to work with the Filipino uh, community, Filipinex community. So yeah, maybe the more I do it, the more that I'll, I'll learn how to feel comfortable with it. Yeah. I, think, I don't know if I may add, like giving ourselves permission to, to feel that distress, right? Like I think what, what Yufei was saying earlier, like there's this expectation of like you're Filipina and you should be like doing that work and, and working with Filipino, Filipinx communities, right? And you should feel comfortable. And, and sometimes it's like, maybe I don't. And, and that doesn't make me any less Filipina. And that mm-hmm. doesn't make me any less therapist and that doesn't make me any less right I think there's this expectation that because yeah we have a certain set of skills or we look a certain way or we have certain stories that that we should adhere and be right so I yeah just giving ourselves permission to be like yeah and I'm 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 feeling not okay with that part right now and that's okay yeah, and I think it's really through these unease or uncomfort that you stretch and grow. Like I was, I was, I've been uh, talking to my supervisor about like just this feeling that I think talking to Chinese families usually pulls from me. Like I think it puts me back to a very juvenile place and like talking to like how to address older people in Chinese and like if they kind of use a more authoritative tone I then like (laughs) revert right back to it feels like I'm a kid again even though I'm trying to communicate to them something like more professional um so which is an uncomfortable place for me to be um and I think it's only through acknowledging that and like really feeling it and really like dropping into that to to go through it and hopefully stretch a little bit and grow from it. Love that. Yeah. Um, Just to back us up a little bit. So we talked about our past and we talked about our current, like where we are right now as clinicians, but somewhere in the, in along the way, you know, somewhere in the middle of those two, there were things, people, experiences, um, that motivated us to be therapists and be clinicians. So is there anything in your cultural background that had played a role in that decision to become a therapist? I can't say too, too much about, I, I think, well, the Chinese community is so big that I'm like hesitant to say anything like too general about it. Um, but in my life, there just hasn't been many or any really like a therapist or like people using therapy. Um, and I felt like it was something I could have really used. <laughs> um, and, and, and I feel like, especially when I was in high school, so I feel like I'm, um, I feel very, um, like I feel a lot of reward, I think, holding this space for our high schoolers now because I felt like, and a lot of them being Chinese American, not all of them, um, but I, I felt like just at that age, it's so valuable to have a space like that. 
Um, but culturally, I, I think it's becoming more accepted. I want to say like it's going that direction, but it's just not、um, a thing born out of Chinese culture, like th- this this one-on-one therapy thing.、Um, so yeah, it it it, it doesn't feel like. It feels like it's a thing that I have to kind of adapt, and I have to take and learn to make my own.、Yeah. How about Yana?、Um, for me, I think I mean just like the expression of the wounded healer, right? I think、mm-hmm. um, many experiences. I think looking back, I'm like, yeah, I you know I, I had quite. A few experiences that marked, that impacted, that that shifted, right? My my life,、um, and and again, I think I wanna I wanna echo what what Yufei is saying in that I'm speaking very specific about my Mexican experience in my little globe and my little space.、Um, but when I was growing up, it was very、uh, very stigmatized. Very frowned upon. There's something wrong with you. You know your your usual. Rhetoric of like you're crazy and only crazy people go there and and you don't tell your your secrets and you don't tell <clears throat> excuse me family issues or family struggles to strangers like that's a no no and and nobody should know right、um, and and now I think that's changing I'm really again I'm really excited to see how younger generations are making it so so okay and so they're normalizing. Therapy and they're normalizing. Like you say, I am in awe often of、mm-hmm. like students coming and saying, "Well, I've already had therapy and it worked, and right now I'm going through something, so I know I need it." And I'm like,、oh, like my mouth is open. <laughs> I'm like, I, I, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have not been able to know where to start. Like I, that that、mm-hmm. whole sentence. Like I, I wouldn't have been able to vocalize that、mm-hmm. at fifteen, right?、Mm-hmm. Like that. That's that. That wouldn't have happened.、Um, so I. Yeah, I think I think experiences definitely, you know, experiences of trauma, experiences of migration, my own my own experience of migration, push not push me, but but sort of guided me, right? Like I didn't I didn't know I wanted to be a therapist until until like later in life. I started working at an HIV clinic and as a case manager, and and in doing that, I was doing a little bit of like supportive counseling, what look a lot like therapy,、um, but I didn't have. I didn't have the knowledge about burnout and about kind of transference and about just how to take care of oneself. So I, I had a very mixed feelings. I, I I knew I wanted to do something, collaborate, and and like you face said, hold this space like others had held this space for me, or like I had not had the space. Right, I wanted to give that to people, hold hold space that I hadn't had.、Uh, but working with with working、um, in in this clinic, in the HIV clinic, I think it really.、Um, It really put me like in like face to face with the collaborating with with clients and and experiencing like the clients know and people know what's best for them right、uh, with these really heavy heavy issues that they're dealing with. So I I think I I wanted to do more of that. I wanted to do more of that and and.、Um, And I just I, I, that's when I went back to school. I had taken a big break after after high school.、Um, 
and just started taking like a sociology class. And again, I didn't know. I'm like, I don't know where I'm going. And um, I just started meeting with a, a, a academic counselor and they suggested, I'm like, well, let me look into that. Um, and and I think that's where, where it started. I don't think it was like a long, long life dream where I was like, I want to be a therapist when I grow up. Um, yeah, I don't know if I went all over the place with that or if that answer. <laughs> yeah, and I think you painted a really good picture of that journey too, you know. Um, and you, Faith, for you, did, did you know for a while that you wanted to be a therapist or what was that like for no, you? No, I mean, I now I'm like, oh, I felt like, I could have really used therapy in high school and maybe that's like the impetus of it. But I think I wasn't aware of it at the time. I mean, I was always interested in psychology. I mean, just learning about the human mind is always interesting. So I went into and I like had no idea what I wanted to do. So I studied psychology. Um, I studied developmental psychology and I thought I would work with kids like I thought I was going to work with younger kids um but I think it was a combination of feeling just like done with school by the end of college and not having had the most I I think now that I have a little bit more awareness the education I got in college was very Eurocentric and I think I couldn't really, like, I felt like I was learning something I thought I would be, like, really, really interested in. But then the way that it was presented to me and the way that I, like, learned it was, didn't feel relevant to me. Like, I, I remember I wanted, I, I was, like, really interested in learning more about the, like, acculturation gap in immigrant families. But it was really hard to find research on it or maybe it was hard for me to find more research on it. So then I just felt like I was always running into walls, into walls with like things that I was really interested in within the context of developmental psychology. And even though I learned very, you know, like I, I got a good education and I felt like it wasn't for me almost. Um, so I took a break. I worked in corporate for almost three years, and which was fine, but also very boring. <laughs> and I, I, at the same time, I had been volunteering at um, a suicidal hotline and a domestic violence hotline. And I think those experiences were really uh, just... Um, well, there were a lot of things. I think it was rewarding in that it was nice to be doing something and seeing the impact of it. Um, and also, like, when you work in corporate all day, it feels like you're just, I don't know, going around with, like, small things that like, don't have any actual impact in the real world. <laughs> so it was nice to be doing work that that like felt a little more rooted in people's actual lives, which I think ultimately guided my choice to going back to grad school and like wanting to do something that like feels more like connecting to people. So that's how I found my way to the therapy world. 
Yeah, two very different journeys too between you and Anna. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you mentioned, you know, Eurocentric uh, learning and, and theories and just the things that are taught in most schools. And I, I'm curious for, for this next question, I'm wondering if you both could share a little bit of how you are adapting those Eurocentric theories into your practice today as bilingual immigrant clinicians here in America? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm grateful for the education we got at grad school. Like, I think it's there that I, like, when I was reflecting on my undergrad education, I was like, wow, like, culture wasn't really a factor that they talked about. And it's, like, in every single lecture that we had at grad school, which was really cool. And I hope that would be more of the case now, hopefully, or into the future, too. Um, but yeah, I mean, the whole field of psychology is born out of, you know, a white guy in Austria. And <laughs> that's, that's just the history of it. And not to say that it doesn't have value because I think there is a lot to it too. Um, but I think just to name it as the first step, like it's natural to feel not very connected to an old white guy in Austria <laughs> and where we are not him. like we are not them right like we are the living people now kind of like embodying this field and like you know like in the field itself is a living evolving breathing mm -hmm. thing mm -hmm. so it's up to us to kind of like to 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 claim it almost um i don't know if that answered your question kim and i'm yeah. curious to hear your experiences too i i love what you said um about acknowledging that it is valuable and it is helpful for us mm -hmm. to know you know these approaches and these theories and at the same time evolve them into a more culturally responsive practice Mm -hmm. um yeah Anna do you, do you want to speak to any of that yeah I I feel similar like you guys I I think I I am very grateful and that's sort of the little nest right that started it all and I I, I had it was such a life-changing thing to go through the program like it was you know academically professionally but also like personal right I I think we've had this conversation in, in the cohort of how you go through this transformation right so there was a lot of a lot of that and I'm really very grateful and, and honored to have been part of that but I think I, I think I'm trying to move pull away from from that a little bit too as well and 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 move towards a more decolonized way of practicing um, sort of honoring right when I when I got out of grad school too I, I came out like okay I'm ready to do therapy right and, and I'm trying to do therapy even though we talked about culture right in the program I, I I felt like I came out 
let me practice like a white male clinician and shoot I'm Mexican and that's not my story and that's not how I grew up and that doesn't connect with me right yeah sure it's valuable and I, I I'm there sure I appreciate your your story right but that's that's not who who I am so that didn't translate into the real world like when it came out I was like this is not what therapy looks like and this frame thing and this neutrality and like that wasn't that wasn't the case for me so I had to I had to look at that I had to to really sit with that and it was it was tough because I'm like oh man I just went through this whole training and now I'm sitting here with like where do I go from here um but it has been really beautiful to sort of find like okay where do I go and how do I want to practice and how do I want to um do this with dignity how do I dignify the stories that come to my ears, to my heart. How do I do that? How do I, how do I help people move from from a space where where they don't like where they're at to a to a place where they like their identity, where they like their stories? Um, and sometimes that's that's not done through, or you know, very I don't know a traditional way of doing therapy, right? And and. Um, getting getting myself of the of the high horse sort of like I'm not I don't know anything yes I have these masters but I don't know anything about people's lives I don't know anything about their stories and and um I think that has helped that has helped the way that I that I practice in in which I'm like I'm right next to you and I can I can go in this right with you but I'm not I'm not the professional right there's already a power dynamic thing that happens already just walking into the door when you're seeing somebody right so as much as I can I I try to I try to remove myself from that and and do things a little bit differently um yeah so I'm trying I'm trying there it's still where I go back to I mean you know I'm I'm trying to do things new and then I I get stuck I'm like oh let me go back to (laughs) to to this Freudian shoot you know um (laughs) But yeah, that's that's where I'm at, and I think it's gonna continue shifting. It's gonna continue moving and looking different. But that's right now. That's that's where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that journey too of leaving grad school and finding out that it not everything we learned is how things work in the real world is such a big thing that I feel like a lot of us are trying to overcome right now or not overcome, but that journey is the thing that we're, we're on right now. Um, and I like what you said where, yeah, we try these new things or we do a lot more of a, like a culturally sensitive approach. And at the same time, using what we learned in grad school as um, like the foundation of, of how we practice. Um, I don't know if, if foundation is the right word, but yeah, the way I frame it now is I use psychodynamic thinking in my practice, but it's not necessarily the approach that I use with my direct client work um, because it just hasn't been culturally sensitive enough for me. That, but that's that's my own experience as a therapist. Yeah, I mean, I think... Ultimately, you want to do what works and what's helpful um, and maybe part of it, I mean, it depends on the client too, but like sometimes it works better and sometimes you just kind of have to pull from many different theories and pull from 
also from yourself, like who you are. And I think different clients pull from you different aspects of yourself too. I'm like, it's so many things are coming up for me. I'm probably going to cut this part out. So I'm like trying to figure out where do, where should we take this conversation? <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but but these, I think these part too, like, we, I think there was a question in there. Like, what would you tell the clinicians, right? Like, what, what you, Faye, just said. Like, there's only one of you. Like, you pull from all of these places and all of these things that you have. And, and anything you bring is going to be unique. And, and Right? I, I don't know. I think there, there was such a fear for me coming out. Like, am I going to do this right? And am I going to, oh, my God, am I going to right, do therapy right? As if there's a right in a wrong way to do it and mm-hmm. and for me I, I think coming to that like there's only one Anna that is gonna that that that's that has had the stories that I had there's only one mm-hmm. Anna that speaks the way that I do there's only one Anna that it's gonna meet with this person in this space in this time so I, I think just holding that like that's that's unique and and with that right like what 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 brings up what what comes next into the into the work I think just flows flows naturally yeah, that's really powerful. I mean, I think as a therapist, you use we use ourselves as the tool, and what we have to draw on is our experiences and our feelings and our thoughts, and it's just us. And if I could go back to the psychodynamic theory, you know, the relationship is the driver for change, right? So that is unique to the two persons sitting in the room um, and it's cultivated by who you are it's like all of you yeah oh so many beautiful things have been shared today and I'm pretty sure we could go on and on and on about all of this um two years of grad school was not enough to to connect and talk about these things and our experiences um but, you know, for the sake of time, uh, I'm going to start wrapping up this episode. Um, there is a little game that I like to play uh, with with all of my guests, and it's called 343, where I just ask you both three casual questions. Um, and it's also a game I play with my clients as a way to decompress at the end of a session. Um, so, yeah, are you both up for that? Sure. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. So the first question is, what was your top um, 2020 purchase during the pandemic? Like value-wise? Um, <laughs> like purpose or just the happiness that it brought you? <laughs> mm, I think I definitely... I mean, well, we did a lot more like grocery deliveries um, but that's not very exciting. <laughs> I think for me, I did a lot more like uh, pastry and like just sweets. Like I, I didn't used to, or I would like just, yeah, it wasn't a thing. But in 2020, I was like, let me just buy more like nice like it feels like a treat and then I like make it a thing to like go and get it and it's very exciting <laughs> that's so delicious mm-hmm. Anna uh, uh, the inflatable pool for the win for the win like I mean we were going crazy and it was so hot during the summer we had 
that red sky like things were going crazy crazy (laughs) so that saved us like that really for for my little one for Antonia and I like I used it like I you know I mean the thing was like up to my (laughs) my knees but it was just so nice to just be in a I I love water so just being in a in a space of water and and having that for her um, I think it was a a lifesaver so yeah inflatable pool for the win (laughs) Um, a recipe that you tried and loved in the past year Hmm. I don't know if I loved it I (laughs) I was I well I was trying to make the perfect white bread for a long time and I was trying like trying to tweak like recipes I would find to 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 make it better um yeah I mean I I don't know if I love it maybe I still need to work on it more (laughs) but it's just a recipe that I've made many 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 times and I feel like it it's it's like not too time consuming and it's a nice like just decompressing thing for me to do yeah i tried and i and i loved it i loved it you said that you're like i don't know if i love it <laughs> <laughs> here's my recipe <laughs> that's so awesome um but i tried a, a roasted cauliflower which Ooh. is like covered with like these these yogurt base curry oh. like you, you use curry power and cumin um i love yeah, it was so good. I love Indian food, so I'm like, okay, let me see if I can make something. So this was like inspire, you know, um, Indian food, and I'm like, how do I make this cauliflower? So looked for the recipe, and it was delicious. I really loved it. My family, not so much, but I, I really enjoyed it. Do you and, and roast so. it whole? Or you do. You- you do which is so beautiful when it like browns and then you cut it like if it's a little roasted piece of meat but it's like a cauliflower it's just so beautiful it's really good (laughs) i'm so happy you share my excitement because my family was not (laughs) all for it like no thanks um what i did in in another episode is share the link to these recipes so if you guys want to give me those links i'll add it to the show notes for listeners (laughs) we'll do we'll do i'll send it (laughs) um so the third question is what's one book or show that you would recommend to our listeners i'm reading a children's book right now that i'm really enjoying it's called the phantom toll booth I don't know if you guys heard of it. I think it's a classic, but it's pretty old. And I only stumbled upon it because the author passed away pretty recently. Um, but yeah, I'm really enjoying it. It's it's very imaginative and it's just like a fun read. And it's since it's a children's book, it's 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 very easy to read. <laughs> so check it out if you haven't yet. <laughs> the Phantom Tobu. I... I love that. Thanks for that. I want to look into it. I was going to say, I wish I had like more adulty, but I I love, I mean, right now with Antonia, there's not really time for like, let me explore something new. Um, And when I do, I'm like so tired that I only watch a quarter of an episode and I'm done. Um, 
but so I have kids shows and it, which I really enjoy and they're they're endearing. Um, but there's this new show that my daughter and I are watching, um, and it's called Waffles and, ah, and Mochi. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or it's Michelle Obama, right? It, it, uh-huh. it, it, yeah, so it's it's it has Michelle Obama, which is amazing, and it has like great like guest appearances and amazing songs and great mm-hmm. messages. So we sit there and then she's so into it. So that's Aww. that's a that's a good show to watch even if you don't have kids. Um, and then uh, Yufei actually recommended uh, Cinderella Liberated, which mm-hmm. is a book for for children, and it's a a spinoff um, mm-hmm. in in woman empowerment, right of of the story of Cinderella. So check it out. Yeah, I love all of these kid recommendations because the show that I'm also raving about right now is a kid show, <laughs> and I don't have kids, so <laughs> yes. I don't know why I'm into it. But if you all have access to Apple TV Plus. There's a show called Still Water. Yes. You know that? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Have you heard that, you say? Mm-mm. No? Um, so there's this uh, uh, giant panda, and he's very mindful, and he's very wise, and he's very calming, and oh. just teaches children about growth mindset. And mm-hmm. yeah, I, I love it. Just I could listen to it and yeah, just feel like I'm in a different space. <laughs> I know we're saying they're like kids shows but they're so resonant like that one still water it's like and it's beautifully made like the 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 animation it's so Mm -hmm. just so beautiful um but you sit there and you're like yeah I as an adult can absorb this (laughs) message and sit with it and take it into my daily living you know so Mm -hmm. I I think we should do that watch more kids shows because it's it's the core of it you know so I don't know yeah. <laughs> well, thank you both for sharing your story with us and your own unfoldings. Um, thank you both for being here. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us, Kim. Thank you. Thank you. If you would like to hear more stories from clinicians of color, please subscribe to stay up to date with new episodes. Or if you would like to share your story of unfolding, send me a message at therapistunfolding at gmail.com. Maraming salamat ulit. Take care.